that's the only thing stopping reconciliation at this rate. Like you said, sin isn't stopping us from reconciling to God. It's just our unwillingness to follow the example of Christ. Hello, welcome to the Pondercast, where it's okay to think differently about the Bible and theology. Let's get pondering. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, The Pondercast. Yep, that's right. I'm back after a couple weeks, and I'm thrilled to be back. And I am joined with Perry on the other side of the screen. We're both back. It's great. (laughs) Yes, glad that you're back, Drew. Yeah, no, it's it's not the same without you. Yeah, no, I, I I believe it's not. No, it's still good without me. I listened to your episodes. They're still good without me. It's good. Yeah, sorry. I just want to say sorry to our podcast listeners. I just kind of fell off the face of the podcast for a bit. But Perry filled you guys in last week. I heard. Yeah, so got a new new kid in the family. So it's kind of exciting. So, but it's very sudden. You know, it's very like don't have a child all of a sudden. There's a kid in your home. So that's why I was kind of, I needed a couple weeks off there. So thank you, Perry, for being gracious and letting me take a couple, couple impulse weeks off. Well, the one week you were sick. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I think that was the week. I think I was sick that week. And then we got a placement on the Friday or something. Yeah. I can't remember. Something like that. It doesn't really matter. But but... the weekends uh, sure get busy. Oh yeah. Seems yeah. like <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of busy, how was uh, your big trip? I know you kinda mentioned it on the podcast, but anything was... crazy anything crazy happened in Texas? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it was excellent. Uh I really I made I got majorly scammed by a taxi driver, which I found out later oh, shoot. wasn't a legitimate taxi driver, but I'm alive and uh None of my personal information has been stolen, I don't think. Like, I don't think there's another Perry Walter Siddons in Mexico now or something. Anyways, um, it was really good. It was a really good conference. Uh, made some good connections. I was got there late, mm. uh, but that's okay. Uh, still enjoyed Still enjoyed it. It was great. Oh, it was good. And, and, For those of you who don't know, it was an Anglican conference in Texas. Right. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. It was called Radical Vocation. So it's about uh, what does it mean to be a priest in the 21st century? It's at this massive church, massive Ang- Anglican church, and it's just wonderful. When the, when the final service was over, to kind of wrap up the whole weekend, I closed my hymn book, and I thought, oh, no, I don't want this to be over. <laughs> this was so good, <laughs> the closing service. Uh, but even the conference, so... Um, yeah, it was, uh, going there was encouraging to see what's happening, uh, in other angle in other parts of the Anglican world. It's quite a thriving church. Um, and this conference is just excellent. Cool. So. Well, I, I gotta ask just cause Texas is in the news. Did you have to wear masks or no? Mm-hmm. Oh, you did. Okay, that's all. Yeah. I no, I have any other questions. I was just wondering because I know and Texas I, is kind of the. I was thankful for that because I didn't want to get COVID and get stuck in Texas well, for two weeks. And I mean, <laughs> you have people coming from all over the 
internationally to this conference? Well, actually, just the states. I I was you cheated. I was one of very few Canadians. So when I would say to people, "I'm from Saskatchewan," oh, where's that? It's in Canada. I just said like <laughs> Ohio. Hey, it's, yeah. it's in South Carolina. You know, it's just it's one of those ones. Just pick a state. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting to see what other Anglicans are doing uh, because we're typically known as a dying church. I'll just be right. honest, old people, but it was, it's just a vibrant church. And I think, okay, hmm. this is not a church. This, this can be a church that lives on into the 21st century. Hmm. And uh, so, you know, how can we facilitate that here now? And it's just, I mean, being part of my own tribe is good. <laughs> right. Good. Anyways. Well, you're back in the Pondercast tribe now. So exactly. Forget all that. Forget all the <laughs> Let's get into this. Yeah. Amen. No, we just thought <laughs> we just wanted to catch up a little bit here and let everyone know mm-hmm. what's going on in our lives because we were a little bit sporadic there for a bit. So now everyone hopefully is caught up. That's enough personal talk. <laughs> the time to get back into these uh <laughs> our series on the atonement yes. it took a couple week break but I'm excited is this to get our into it. is this our closing episode for this little series yeah this is the finale yep okay here we go here we go what off a of the bang yeah <laughs> all right so this one has a couple names but i've heard it and i like this one the best moral exemplar and why do you like it the best because it doesn't say example just the words exemplar <laughs> I think it just has a better ring to it. It yeah. sounds more like, you know, like Christus Victor. We just say Christ <laughs> is the victor. It's not as cool. But like mm-hmm. Christus Victor sounds really cool. Yeah, moral kind of exemplar. Idea. Yeah, Moral example. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that's what it is, though. It's Yeah, moral influence. Yeah, moral influence, moral example, mm-hmm. what have you. <clears throat> and this is the last... I mean, there's more atonement theories we could talk about, like you know, the scapegoat three, but they're just so small that only encapsulates the entirety of what the atonement is. Nothing any of these really do, but that's for another time. Um, so basically, if I can summarize this in like the shortest form ever, I kind of, my research and thinking of it is that Jesus was a martyr for a movement um, to bring people into living the way he lived but wasn't necessary for reconciliation to God. Hmm. Moral exemplar is very much so exactly what it says. He was a moral example for people to follow. And by that means they would be reconciled to God through following the example of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had a better uh, like summary on, but that's kind of what I gathered this. Right. This yeah. The was right. The view that, it's interesting to see martyr. I like that. Uh, well, I don't. Yeah. Anyways, I to define this, but the fact that this is the epit, this is not the epitome, but the ultimate expression of God's love is Jesus dying on the cross, mm-hmm. and f- and through that, uh, when when people see that or recognize God's love, they are moved. <laughs> To repentance they are moved to love and that's why it's called the moral example because we follow the example that christ set out on the cross by giving himself yeah. 
and that's as an that's as an expression of love though that's that's yeah. the i think this is almost like love wins theology kind of the 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 uh the grounds for love wins theology where god or god's love wins triumphs everything. everything triumphs uh, yeah triumphs over like every everybody will be saved kind of thing and right. i think and this I- is this is really the ground of that where god's love is shown to be <laughs> the winner here and there's nothing else to it you know yeah his love is the means of reconciliation basically is what well and i would wonder what in this thinking what needs to be reconciled like do human do human beings need to be reconciled to god in this view or who or is it human beings to one another that need to be reconciled you know that's just, just i think it's i think some it's, inconsistencies there <laughs> yeah i think it's based on the idea that humanity's evilness ever since the garden cain and abel you know tower of babel i also like ever since evilness um christ was the the new human you know that does kind of we kind of had an episode on that a long time ago and all we have to do is follow the example of this new human or the true human and that'll be enough for us to be reconciled to god from our our badness our evilness whatever have you it's yeah it's a i was just reading this quote uh this is um this is so Peter Abelard, I don't know if have you come across that name. This is he's a contemporary uh, of Anselm. Yeah, about 1100 AD. Is that right? Right, and that's yeah. significant because Anselm was really the proponent or the first person to really explain to make uh, to popularize uh, substitutionary atonement. Right. Yeah. And Abelard was a, a contemporary who uh, rejected that and latched onto this moral example. This is yeah. how it's described. His view is described is that he uh, reduced the whole process of redemption to one single clear principle vis-a-vis mm-hmm. the manifestation of God's love to us in Christ, which awakens an answering love in us. Uh, so it's not, yeah, I don't really get this <laughs> because it's, it really just says, here's the cross, look at God's love, and therefore go do likewise and like there are scriptures you can pull from but but they don't do the full justice of what it like you mean you can go ephesians 5 1 right follow god's example therefore dearly love children walk in the ways of love just as christ loved us gives up the fragrant offering like right there's there's multiple it's it's not um wrong like i wouldn't say moral example is a wrong theory Mm mm-hmm it's just not the full theory. You can't just be like, no, moral example is all that God wanted to articulate through the cross. Right. <clears throat> there were like I I think a couple others, but yeah, but you, there's so many texts in scripture that talk about like, follow my examples. I follow mm-hmm. Christ's example. You know, there's, there's lots of texts that talk about it. So it, it's not, I don't know if it's necessarily wrong. I just don't know if it's enough to put all of your, but yeah oh i definitely agree with you uh i guess my problem is to say that the somehow for an individual to see god's to to see this to to see the crucifixion and then be moved toward uh living a life you know living a godly life they're really 
like it's not acknowledging sinfulness i don't think because it's not acknowledging the the radical pervasiveness that sin the like the 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 hold that sin has on a person's life where it's where it's chained a person down so and we are like it i don't think it's recognizing that that view of humanity like it, it's trying to say that humanity is actually inherently good and can therefore turn toward god and therefore love their neighbor because of the love shown through the cross just because of the example so right maybe we're misrepresenting this do you think the holy spirit has a factor in this theory like um, i'm sure like do you know what i mean because it'd be a lot different if it was through the moral example of Christ and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, hmm. people are brought to a place where they want to be examples of Christ. Would that change your view on that at all? Like it being limiting our view of sin on people, hold the hold of sin? Well, I... Because um... if the Holy Spirit's doing the convicting work in this theory, it's not diminishing the hold that sin has on people. It's just, it's more so magnifying the fact that they want to change because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but I, I, I agree with you, but that's not, I don't think that's what this theory is saying. It's saying that God's love at the cross is so overwhelming that sinners just, or I don't know, people <laughs> just seem to say, oh, oh my goodness, God loves me. God, look at God's love. And therefore, they change their life. Um, right. And so I'm not, I'm agreeing with you that this is, okay, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal light. Like, I'm not saying God's love doesn't move, doesn't change compel people. us, yeah. but the, I'm, I'm criticizing this theory that, right. yes. that has a low view of the uh, right. radical nature of sin. Where because because I think substitution atonement, Chris's Victor says sin has a hold on people. Like it, it's just a part of who we are. Uh, right. It's it's we're we're individually sinners. Whereas this view kind of says uh, sin isn't isn't part of us it's it's actions that we do i agree with that it's it's not it's not either or right um, i think i think that's one of the, that leads me to a good drawback of this theory and i kind of wrote it down so i wouldn't forget and it's the, it's our unwilling the only obstacle in this theory to reconciliation is our unwillingness to want to reconcile um that's the only thing stopping reconciliation at this rate. Like you said, sin isn't stopping us from reconciling to God. It's just our unwillingness to follow the example of Christ. Yeah. That's basically what, that's basically what this theory is. And therefore the theory can be done without the cross. You don't like in this theory, that's exactly you it. You don't need the cross for this theory alone because Christ lived the perfect life. He would have died a normal death. Just, well, you mean, that's, just that's my thinking is you still could have been a moral example and you wouldn't right. have even need the cross, which exactly. is a big problem for, or mm-hmm. should be a big problem to us. If you, if this example, if this moral exemplar can work without um, the cross. And I guess the only reason I was pushing back on what you're saying before is the fact 
I just don't want to be accused of misrepresenting this this view because maybe the view does take into account the Holy Spirit's influence on a person's mm-hmm. life. From my oh, understanding, it doesn't. It does. Sure, it does. I don't think it does. Like it. I don't well, know. I, I, I don't, I'm not. I'm not convinced think, that that's a major part in my right. opinion hmm. of view. It's very much so humans just deciding to change their 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 way of living in the eye in light of Jesus's life. Hmm. And the death doesn't really yeah. do anything on the cross. doesn't really do anything. Right. Well, Except for uh, exemplify the love of God. Yeah. Right. This is my pushback, my further pushback. <laughs> I And like you see, I really don't want to misrepresent this view. Uh, I don't want to be uh, criticized for that. But I honestly think that this view makes a mockery of the cross and shows God to be unjust because he's making his son who is innocent die on a cross just to, just to show his love. Like, why does he have to die such a brutal death? Hmm. And, and I think you're, you're kind of, you were kind of right. getting at that. Like, it just seems very unjust in my opinion to say, here's my innocent son. Um, and here's my love. Wait, you're giving your son to die this brutal death to show us your love? Like it just they're operating right, no, they're operating right. with paradigms created by substitutionary atonement, but the but it just is ridiculous. <laughs> it takes well, yeah, and, and just to hash it a little bit more, the problem is the fact that the sin isn't upon Jesus. So why would he if there's no That's sin exactly in, it? If there's no sin involved, it's just sacrificing your son for no reason. Mm-hmm. And then it's not really love. That's a very good way of putting that. So that is a drawback of this for sure. Um, Because like you said, he could have just, I mean, Jesus did show his life as a moral example by love love the poor, love the needy, blah, 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 like all that kind of stuff. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. Uh, No, you're right. But he could have lived to 80, 85, 90 years old or whatever. And still loved people at that age and died. And mm-hmm. that wouldn't have negated the love of God. You know what I mean? It would have. Right. I don't know. It doesn't. I'm with you on that. It doesn't really do too much to me. But However, then there's like this weird. I Sorry, but there. I'll just say this. There's this weird thinking. Like I'm. I just. This is very prevalent. This view in mainline churches. So that's. I, I can just. I've. I've heard people talk about this like this is this is the view that people are operating from is this uh, love wins so the resurrection is a testament that god's love wins all things and i'm like well yeah but how 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 is that showing that god's love wins when this innocent person it's like like an arbitrary reason for this person to come and die and then oh look at god like it just when you really get down to the bare bones of it, it really makes no sense to me because it, yeah. Anyways, I interrupted you. No, it does seem all arbitrary. You're right. Mm-hmm. That, that makes a lot more sense. Um, I, all I was going to say is, however, this theory is something that I do hold to in a sense because yes. of those verses that I brought up before. Yes. Like be an example of us, be imitators of us as we exactly. imitate Christ. Right. Yeah. Or, for, or Ephesians or like I said, Ephesians. Yeah. 5, oh yeah. Follow God's example. So, there is a part of this that we do need to pick up on. Mm-hmm. So we can't just throw it all out. 
I think th- there is parts of it that are good. <clears throat> um, just dealing. I think I was reading a, a snippet of a book by um, Oliver Crisp. You ever hear that name? Oliver Crisp. That does sound familiar, but that's it okay. Matter. It's not. Yeah. It's not. I mean, it's not super important. It's just I. I wanted to read this one little snippet because I thought it ex- explained very well what the problem with more exemplars. It says, however, moral exemplarism has its difficulties when dealing with a cluster of biblical motifs about the atonement, like substitution, penalty, victory. The final analysis is partial but not complete. And I thought that was a good way of saying it. Like, yeah, it doesn't encapsulate it, but doesn't talk about substitution, which the Bible talks about. It doesn't talk about penalty for sins, propitiation. It doesn't talk about the victory of Christ. It doesn't really talk about those things. It just talks about the example. And so I thought, I don't know, I was reading him and I actually thought he had really good, some really good points to bring out. Um, hmm. And so I thought I'd just share that now just to kind of button up so that let idea me, of... let me get that right. This view, like this ultra, uh, pardon me, this bare, how do I put it? The moral exemplar view that we're yeah. talking about doesn't take into account a lot of these biblical motifs is what yes. he's saying. Yeah. Okay, like substitution victory satisfaction penalty, propitiation penalty. Okay. satisfaction yeah all, like basically all exactly bring, and then so you take the so basically what you're doing that at this point is taking the scripture that you want to say oh yeah example and disregarding the ones mm-hmm. that say you know i mean he was nailed to a cross you know, i mean for your sins like stuff exactly. like that doesn't really it doesn't really uh touch on any of those so <clears> i think I just, uh this view can still say he died for you and there's substitution in that, but it's not a, he died for your sins. You know, that's where, yeah, that's where we would take it. And it's interesting. Um, like you say, picking and choosing Frederick Schleiermacher, which is a fun name to say. Schleiermacher. He, yeah. Schleiermacher, he was a forefather of German Protestant liberal theology um, in the, uh, 18th and 19th century and he held to this view saying Christ's death was not vicarious meaning it had no effect uh, in that it was a requirement or a payment for sin he said that all human beings uh, are are can uh, and are looking for perfection here let me just read what this says Uh, this is this is how it's explained is uh He thought that all people had an innate desire to find and seek after perfection. A true good God would not condemn them for failing because ultimately they are always seeking after God, regardless of finding God. Uh, This is very much, you can, you can, this view just opens the doors to all sorts of ideas of, you know, everybody's saved. (laughs) There's no real reason to talk about uh, the gospel. Like, what is the gospel? Um, so it really, I think, when we take this view to the, that extreme, we're going, to, we're starting to go down a path that is not being faithful to Scripture, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. So I think if we can kind of summarize on this this idea. Uh, I think it's kind of similar to the ransom theory that we talked about a couple episodes back and the idea of, we talked about now, who's the ransom being paid to mm. God or Satan, right? That, that kind of depends on 
that determines whether the view is viable or not, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and I think similarly here, there's almost two versions of this here you can fall into. Um, one being Christ is a moral exemplar, and therefore we can be reconciled to God just by following his example. The other being Christ was a moral example for us um, through the Holy Spirit. Once we have received Christ, that moral example is something that we desire. We have mm-hmm. passion to follow. And I think that's the camp I land into. So I think I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but I don't think I don't think the first choice is the one that you should fall into, that you're reconciled through your moral example and nothing else. No sin, no penalty was paid for sin. It's just you followed example. So I think I think we can almost divide this one into two sections to the you know I mean the, and, the biblical and the unbiblical. Well, <laughs> It's not really uh, being charitable to people. I don't but do that I, quite often. I don't do that very often on this. <laughs> the biblical and the unbiblical. Okay, tell us what you really think, Perry. <laughs> um, but yes, as Perry so eloquently said, biblical, unbiblical, or biblical and more liberal, you could say. Yeah. To be more charitable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's I think that's how I would kind of mend this idea of moral exemplar. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any thoughts, any closing thoughts or what you think about it? I like that you brought in that verse from Ephesians 5 because it's just excellent. Like he says, be imitators of God. Let mm-hmm. me just let me just get that correct. Follow God's example. Walk be, in the ways of yeah, love. Yeah, walk in love as, as Christ, Christ loved us yeah. and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And that, uh, I mean, we know that, you know, I... I believe that jesus gave himself for the offering of sin for the satisfaction of sin um but at the same time what is this saying walk in love be an imitator like let your life parallel the life of jesus give yourself as a sacrifice and of course we're not saying you know to earn some kind of merit or whatever like it's just live a life patterned after jesus in order to point toward jesus himself so um yeah it's funny that verse because yeah it has says follow the example of god or god's example but then at the end it says who gave himself as an offering and a sacrifice to god well what was the offering and sacrifice for like why was it a sac why was it an offering offering for what right so you, you almost can't use that text to say moral exemplar because the offering was just for nothing like it's for the sins of the world or for the sins of the people right of, mm-hmm. so yeah and then you know he paul says walk in love so don't be like this don't be sexually immoral don't be don't have foolish talk uh, mm-hmm. but walk in the light i mean this is it's just interesting how he really defines this like did that is he put, stomping out of our passions, you know, anyways, that's yeah. a whole different, that's a but, whole different but that's interesting. They that brings those up though, because that's mm-hmm. also, it doesn't say, um, it doesn't give examples that are being reconciled. It's giving examples of things that you do that he doesn't want you to do. Right. Uh, it's not highlighting salvation there. It's highlighting mm-hmm. problems. So it's, that's not the reason right. why you do it. Not, not to be saved. It's to stomp these things out to be mm-hmm. in, in relationship yeah loving relationship with god right as i keep thinking about this these these are more like questions or just thinking because you go back to chapter two of ephesians where he talks about you you were dead but you were made alive 
with Christ. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, mm-hmm. not through anything you could do. So uh, when it comes to this moral exemplar theory, are people... When, when is that deci- like when is it decisively said this person is a child of God you know oh like, in their theory right with yeah. this theory because if everybody kind of just seems to be doing their own thing still and hoping for the best so when is that like that that's what I mean there's still seems there's very much you almost have to believe in a universalism or an inclusivism. Right. If everyone just tries because, their best, they'll make it yeah, kind of thing. Because everybody is searching after God. Right. And therefore is found God or whatever. All right. <laughs> so anyways. All right, Perry. Do you have any more thoughts on moral exemplar? If not, I have no. a... Okay, well, I got a question. Can we have a couple minutes left here? Hey, We do. We have a minute and a half. All right. So to sum up this series, Perry, <laughs> you have to pick which atonement theories you hold even if it's a snippet of it which ones do you believe to be true even if it's a little part of each one which ones if you have to pick or do you want me to go first i can go first if you do want. i have to pick one no no pick as many as you want uh, if there's, even if there's little parts of each one that you believe that substitutionary atonement christus victor an aspect of ransom theory and the and an aspect of moral influence. <laughs> that's great. Cause that's kind of where I fall too. I mean, and if you want to throw in like, you know, scapegoat theory, you can look mm. that up later. But I mean you could throw a little bit of that one into there too. Um uh, it's all I say that because this goes back to something that you said at the very beginning of how it's not um what was the word you always, I can't remember the word it's multi-dimensional. Oh, yeah multi-dimensional <laughs> it's not this and nothing else it can be more than one because one does not i don't think one of these atonement theories really sums up what the atonement accomplished i don't think it can um i don't think it exists unless you make up your own atonement where you pick pick pieces of it in a scripture all of it but i don't think one of these nicely ties up into what it's what i actually believe or what you actually believe Mm. I think there are pieces that we kind of draw from each one. All I have to say is that I think it's okay to kind of think differently when it comes to the atonement and think about different atonements and come to your own conclusion, mm-hmm. own biblical scriptural conclusion. Um, mm-hmm. Though discrediting scripture that talks about the other theories. So I, I just wanted to bring it back to that, that I think is multi lateral, multi. Yeah. What, what? I can't I can never remember the word. I always want to say multivocal, but I know it's not dimensional. Right yeah, multidimensional. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, I, I just want to bring it back to that because I think that I think good. that's a good thing to kind of end this series on. That yeah, mm-hmm. the multidimensionality of the atonement theories is something that can be and should be, I think, encouraged. So mm. any finishing thoughts, Perry? Or any tidbits on what the future is gonna hold for the Pondercast? Or? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm working on I'm hoping we can have some kind of a discussion this month in October leading up to the Reformation. Uh, the question that I've been thinking about, especially after having this conversation with Scott Hahn and thinking about, okay, as Protestants, we have a lot in common with Catholics and we have to work together, I think. So then the big question is, 
well, what does it mean to be a Protestant then in our in the 21st century? Uh, because that has a very definite political, theological uh, baggage to it, <laughs> relating back yeah. to a, uh, you know, an- animosity with Catholics, non-Catholic, non-Roman Catholics, anyways. And so, yeah, we want to. We're gonna. We're I'm work on working on something with that. Uh, what does it mean to be a Protestant in the 21st yeah. century? That's funny, hey, because at, like at work and stuff, like people ask me, like, "Oh, I'm a Catholic." I'm like, "I'm not a Catholic. I'm not a Roman Catholic." Oh, what are you on? I was like, a "Protestant." And like, what's that? And I was like, "Huh, that's very interesting." Christianity mm. is looped very much into Catholicism. You know, if you're like kids who go to Catholic school that come out of Catholic school, like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Okay, we don't. You and I don't believe the same thing. Just because you went to a Catholic school doesn't mean you're. You mean it doesn't mean you're a Christian. You could be a cat. I mean, you could be, you could be Catholic. It's just, there's just no um, good definition. I don't think of Protestantism. Hmm. Um, so I think I'm really excited about that conversation. I want to get some people's thoughts who are smarter than us on and <laughs> get them talking a little bit. That'd be good. And I, and I don't know, uh, I have some ideas, uh, but I don't, I'm not sure we, I, I, I think we're going to start talking about the reformation a little bit, but what does that mean for today? Like, what does Reformation have to do with us today instead of getting back in the, to those discussions from the 16th century? Because we have different issues now. Mm. We've come through two years of this damn COVID. And, uh, you know, what, what is it? You know, these have raised so many questions for us to now that I think the Reformation like it just opens up so many conversations for us today. So yeah, absolutely. Well, I look forward to it. I hope you, our listeners listen, look forward to it as well. Should be a good October into November. Excited. Anyways, Perry, do you want to close this out for this week? Please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs> and uh, don't why do, for- I le- why do I let you talk? <laughs> hey, don't forget to like us last week. Share. Last week. It was so smooth. When I did it by myself, it went so smooth. But uh, hey, I'll just turn off my camera then. You can so just... <laughs> don't forget that you can find more ponderings at uh, Perry's Ponderings, which is on it's at perrysins.com. And until next week, keep pondering. <laughs>